awesome. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to have a conversation and be on the show. Um, I am just, I've been following your career for quite some time, and it's just been like watching someone climbing a ladder rung by rung, and you're just knocking it out of the park. Um, for those of us uh, maybe who are listening and are not familiar with you, why don't you do a little bit of an introduction and just some the exciting things that just recently happened? Okay. So, um, my name is Amy Campo. Uh, I train in Ogden, Utah with my coach Eduardo Mori at Mori Training Center. We're a Zenith affiliate. Um, I've been training since I was 13, which this year is uh, 10 years in training. And through this year and last year, I've been able to compete and place in some very large tournaments, naming ADCC. Mm-hmm. And IBGF Worlds Gi and No Gi. Mm-hmm. I know um, it has been really wonderful uh, to watch you compete, and it's just so methodical. You know, it's sometimes you watch people in the ABCC uh, bracket, and it's just like they're getting shot out of a can. It just seems like I can't even follow, but just watching it's so technical. Um, I would love to hear. I know you you play a lot of traditional guard stuff. I would love to hear why did you. Uh, settle on that approach i don't want to say settle but why did you approach your tournaments with that particular mindset with like traditional or basic jiu-jitsu kind of like old school jiu-jitsu is that Mm -hmm. what you mean yes Mm -hmm. um because i think my base in jiu-jitsu is along those lines is more like old school jiu-jitsu that's for for of a fight you know Mm -hmm. Uh, where where strikes are consideration and i think there's a lot in the basics that is just simple and can be applied universally Mm -hmm. and quite frankly it's effective Um, you know why why change from something so simple and effective Mm -hmm. and you know but that's not to say don't add it in um something specific and something different that kind of throws somebody off you know know, i I think they both have their time in their place and i think Mm -hmm. i just i don't know i learned to use them yeah yeah, no, it's very uh, effective. I know um, uh, you're in a weight class, I believe, one or two above me, and it's just so fascinating to watch you move that, you know, sometimes when I see those, the I don't want to say heavier as an insult, but, you know, you know, bigger girls competing, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you can see that it's a different weight class, but it just seems like you're flowing and moving like somebody in, in my weight class, and that's kind of terrifying, but uh, to think, oh, no, that would, that she, oh, man, that'd be bad if she was in my division. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I think I think that's a great thing too, because I think, especially among women, athleticism is a huge part of the sport, and you can go really far with um, with good technique. That what you need, what you need is good technique. But um, one of the edges I think a competitor can have is their athleticism and mm-hmm. their agility, their ability to move. You know, because if I can be uh, if I can have speed on my side, if I can have agility and timing on my side, then that just adds to how much more capable I am. These are like some of the finesse details that you can add to your jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought that, 
And you know, what's one of the worst things? I've only ever had this happen once. Getting tired in the middle of a fight mm. and feeling like this sucks and I want to quit because I'm so tired. Yeah. That should not happen. <laughs> and it's terrible. So I think I would rather be so conditioned that, okay, even if, even if I can't beat you on technique, I've got so much more will to move and fight than mm-hmm. you do that I can still win at the end. Mm-hmm. And it has worked for me a couple oh, times. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want my body to give out before my, my mind does. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I value that a lot. And I think that is one thing that um, differentiates between women. I mm-hmm. think women that are conditioned, well, just physically and and mentally, they're just stronger. They're stronger mm-hmm. physically, and oftentimes they have a stronger mental capacity because they've been through more pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives them a significant end edge over opponent oh yeah i about to say um i've just recently been working with some uh, mental training for jujitsu with uh, aaron hurley and i've noticed that the mental aspect so often as competitors and i think it's now getting more in vogue we we just ignore it and we think oh it's just all physical it's like no a lot of it's mental like you were saying no yeah you're not you're not going to be i think your, if your mind controls your body, like you, if you have a strong mind, you can push your body to breaking limits. If you have a weak mind, it doesn't matter how strong your body is, you'll break and mm-hmm. you'll quit. You can have this, can, can you see this? You have this massively capable body that can do so much. And so, so much as a little thought, even not even a doubt, but a distraction can keep you from from doing your best, from winning mm. something, from being something, from doing something you've always wanted to do. That's is, our minds have this crazy capacity to to move us, mm-hmm. and and just a strong mind is your front for for anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I can put that into better words. There's because there's so many ways you can take that for different applications in life. Just your your mind is where everything is going to start. Oh, yes, absolutely. The mind is such a powerful tool. And you even think with uh, clinical trials, you have to have a placebo group because just the mere suggestion that, hey, this is going to help you, your brain just on that suggestion, you can start feeling better and doing better, you know, so you have to have that placebo control. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I was uh, curious as to, you know, as you're approaching each fight and it's, you know, I've, I've listened to some other uh, podcasts and some other interviews you've given about just how many people uh, have believed in you even before you realized you could achieve, you know, this level of success in jujitsu. What was that like for you? You know, the, uh, that just somebody believing in you before you even knew to believe in yourself. Um, what was it like at the time or what's it like now? Because now I feel like, wow, I can just tell how much these people love me. Mm-hmm. I can tell how much these people care about me and how much they want for me. But back then I was still just like, okay, cool. You think that that doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean I'm going to be it. Like, in fact, sometimes it felt like, um, so there's just a couple of times it felt like maybe even pressure. Cause you're like, Oh no, you're going to do good. You're going to do good. And I'm like, mm. I don't know that. Like I, this is an expectation now, and I don't know if I'm going to live up to it. And other times it was just like, you think I can do it? Really? I think I think where it became a strength to me is when I started to believe that my coach knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I believed that what he was saying, like I so, 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 
I saw it happen a couple times for me where he's like, this is how it's going to happen. You're going to do these things. You're going to do well. And I saw it happen. I was like, oh, wow, okay. But then I saw him coach other people, and I saw how he could predict what was going to happen and how they would do, and he was that intuitive and intelligent when it comes to jiu-jitsu. So once I started to put my trust in him more, then Mm -hmm. I started to be like, okay, you say I'm going to do good? I'm going to do good, and I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do it. And even mm-hmm. if I don't, you know, I'm still going to do my absolute best and make it as difficult as possible for you to do anything with me. Mm-hmm. And so I'd have a backup mentality, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I trusted him, I was like, you know what? What you say is going to happen because you know what you're doing and I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that trust when in those moments where you said that, you know, those few moments where it was, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm exhausted, which, you know, is I guess that trust and that belief, you know, if you're internalizing that, that's going to help. Does that help you propel you in those moments or do you even think about that or? Um, I think I haven't. I haven't had too many experiences where I wasn't conditioned or ready for a fight. So that wasn't, it's not been a big experience for me because usually that's one of the first things my coach develops really well is he develops Mm -hmm. a really strong mind and amount of grit uh, and ability to to handle pressure and struggle. So that hasn't been a a huge issue for me at all. Okay. Nothing I have a lot of experience with. Okay. What, What motivates me, I think, when I'm struggling in a fight, or just, you know, in the back and forth and the fight's going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think I think when I consider uh, my need to be able to perform, if I were to need to protect myself for someone else, mm. um, I guess you would say I when I consider it as a, in a perspective or a light where I need to be capable of doing this, so I need to pull this out of myself mm-hmm. or or. And if not, I'm going to, I'm going to lose something. Usually it's like, if I can't pull this off, I'm going to get hurt or this person's going to come after me. Like when mm-hmm. somebody, it, it's actually kind of nice because somebody else can put the pressure on me and it helps me switch modes. You know, it's mm-hmm. actually kind of nice <laughs> when they do. But yeah, like that's really motivating for me. As soon as I know somebody's coming after me, I switch modes. Mm-hmm. And I think with that in mind too sometimes when fights are so strategic that there's not a lot of like just genuine i want to see who's better interactions i want to just you know climb 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 Mm -hmm. sometimes fights that aren't that way that that are so strategic that they're slow sometimes those fights are a huge turnoff for me because Mm -hmm. you know i feel like you're just you're just sitting there like Mm -hmm. you're not trying to fight me you're trying to win the tournament and those two things are different right so I know that's always something where it's, you know, you want it to be fast paced, you want it to be action packed. But then at the same time, you know, it's just how, how do you make it where it's simulating the fight, but, you know, you also have the point system, you know, it's every tournament's a little bit different. Um, you've yeah. done IBJJF, you've done ADCC. Um, I know in the first couple, couple of minutes, there's not the, you know, the you don't pull guard, that kind of stuff. Uh, which atmosphere do you think is more conducive for that kind of it, push that you're looking for i think adcc is okay because i i think um you can use a lot of strategy in adcc but 
the way the rules are set up, you you don't get into as many positions that are what the Brazilians call chato, where they're okay. so technical that they're boring. Mm. Um, I think, you know, one of the rules is, is the guard pulling. Right. And if you have an active guard and you're going after it, it's great. It's great. I, and I, half the time I have pull guards, so mm-hmm. it's, it's whatever. Um, I'm not, I'm not hating on guard pullers all the time I do it. Uh, <laughs> But I think it, it can be easy to just want to monopolize and play one game and monopolize mm-hmm. that strategy because, you know, it takes away, uh, it takes, you know, passing a guard is one of the hardest things you can do. Mm-hmm. And when you stay there, you can, you can defend. It takes somebody who's like at a much better offense to beat somebody's defense. And mm-hmm. you can monopolize that position and you can waste a lot of time. You can be as active or as passive as you want. Mm-hmm. And so I think I... I like when the playing fields equalize and there's there's no guard pulling because mm-hmm. then we have the atmosphere or the aspect of takedowns where we can score points and then once we have takedowns then we can start okay now we're on the ground let's pass let's you know let's chain things together mm-hmm. but then, you know there's there's the whole aspect of the fight that a lot of jujitsu people I feel like aren't playing tons with because you can monopolize um, the guard. Mm-hmm. And I and and that aspect of a fight, I don't think is super applicable to um, striking. You know, right. some yeah. of the, the bases behind jujitsu that in, involves striking. You know, you wouldn't mm-hmm. you wouldn't sit on the ground. When so, I mean, it, if you had one person, maybe you could do it. Maybe you could get away with it. But mm-hmm. they're probably going to hit you a couple times first. Right. But I don't know. It's just it's. Anyways, I like ADCC's rules mm-hmm. better because you can use good strategy, but you have to move. Yeah. And I think ADCC rewards or gives points for more things like reverses. Say I'm on top in side control right. and you roll me over. Now you're on top for side control. IBGF mm-hmm. just calls that a reverse. But like, right. I, there's a huge change in now who's dominant. Mm-hmm. And ADCC rewards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, IBGF does not. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like some of those things because I was like, hey, there's a clear change in like who's dominant, who's doing good. And right. I feel like that should be identified and like rewarded. Yeah. But I like both of them. I think both of them have taught me um, very specific things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how and I know you have just such a, again, a methodical approach in your your training. And I know you say that you really don't change things up right before fight week. You know, you just kind of dial in those uh, aspects that you've always done and just you don't deviate, right? You need to prioritize sleep. Um, Would you say, you know, I know that you value hard training. So would you say that you have a more maybe nitty gritty grinded out training philosophy as opposed to uh, tapering off towards fight week? What what would you describe as your kind of approach towards training, if that makes sense? So I think the first thing I'll say is that my coach handles the training camp okay. and I handle my body's awareness and intuition to how my body can perform. Mm -hmm. And we both communicate about how the two of those things can be the most effective. So my coach will handle the training and I will handle my mind and my Mm -hmm. body and I will come prepared to give my all, but also, um, also making him aware of how I'm doing Mm -hmm. so that he can, he can know my limits at the same mm-hmm. time as I can, you know, because if it's just me checking my limits, you know, there can be room where I am not completely honest with myself and he's my backup. He's the one who's like, no, 
I know your limits too. You can do more. I'm going to push you to do more when you want to quit. So we work as a team to, uh, to develop a training that is needed for the tournament because mm-hmm. a training for each tournament can be different too. They're not all the same. Um, but that still takes care of me and, you know, cause it is possible to overtrain mm-hmm. and it is possible to get hurt before. And that's a funny balance. You know, I've had a couple, couple fight camp preparations where towards the end of the training camp, you know, a couple weeks before the tournament, we started going like less than, less than, you know, it, it gets really hard. And we started going less than that. And I was like, wait, is this okay that, that we're not going like as hard as we can right now. And it was because my body was getting to the point where it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're needing more recovery than you're needing hard training right now. Mm-hmm. You're getting close to where you could get hurt. So this is what your body needs. And as long as we can maintain a, a sufficient level of like athleticism, athleticism, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that was okay at first, you know, at first mm-hmm. I was just like, you just need to train hard all the time. And then mm-hmm. as I got better, we both developed a, a balance and a, a finesse for how to prepare. Yeah. But to say, cause there's so many, and it is what, just what she said, a finesse. It's that art to that training. Every mm-hmm. uh, coach is kind of like an artist in that way. They, and every athlete, you know, are artist. you know, you have to find what works for you and, uh, so often I've, I've had a few people I've trained with uh, that are just they are nitty gritty and they end up they don't listen to their body like you said you need to do and they end up hurting something like the day before their fight I'm like oh my gosh that's awful <laughs> but yeah because how much good does it do you if you're like I want to I want to fight so hard like I want to fight so hard I, I come here's what I do mentally I prepare I come prepared to do the hardest training camp, the mm-hmm. hardest training day. Mentally, I come prepared to do that, but then I trust the specifications my coach gives for the training camp. I trust what level he wants to push, how much he wants to do. I'm willing to do what he says, and that's how we balance that. But yeah, how much good does it do to be like, yeah, I want to train so hard and train so hard, but you don't balance it with recovery, mm-hmm. and then you just get hurt. And it's like, oh, what you wanted to train so hard for, you can't even do now because. You were an idiot. <laughs> you didn't balance yourself out. Right, right. But, it would be terrible. Yeah, and no, rest no. doesn't. Yeah, and rest doesn't necessarily have to mean you don't go to the gym. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go to the gym and it's a rest day, and I'm just there, uh, um, lightly, lightly rolling and learning. And sometimes if I'm hurt, I'm just there, and I don't even. I don't even participate in the class really. I just sit by the side and I watch. And it's amazing how much I've learned in the classes where I've just come and just watched. Where I was hurt and I couldn't be close to people who are rolling up. You know, I've learned mm-hmm. so much on those days. But in that way, I can still be learning in one of the aspects of Jiu-Jitsu because there's a lot of, there's a handful of different aspects behind it being competition ready and just in Jiu-Jitsu in general. You know, you have an area of explosiveness, of technique, of strength, of speed, and timing, and how all those things go together. And, you know, one day, maybe you come in and you can't go 100% on everything every day. Maybe today I can go 100% on one of them and less on another one, and maybe the next day it's 100% on another one Mm -hmm. and less on another one. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? And that way you can balance them out, still be going 100% or still be learning, training and developing, and at the same time, be resting. It's like, oh, you know what a good comparison for that is? It's going to the gym and working out. One day I'll do arms, and then the next day I'll give my arms a break and I'll do legs. Mm-hmm. So, duh. Like, yeah. <laughs> balance. 
balance people yes so important yes i'm a i'm a big proponent of yes you know just taking care of your body listening to yourself and i'm kind of one of those people if i'm sick and i know i can't roll i'll go and watch too but it's just it's killing me inside it's like i want to be rolling but i don't need to be throwing up either so but what does uh what does your recovery look like obviously you you've said you know some Sometimes it's it's just watching a class. Sometimes it is going to the gym. Um, I know there's certain things that are seemingly all the rage right now with recovery, like uh, the cryo ice baths, the saunas. What does uh, your recovery? What are your kind of go tos? Mental or physical? That's a very good specification. Let's start with the physical, and then we'll go to the mental. Cool. So physical. Okay. There are some things that are your basics, and if you're not hitting your basics or your fundamentals, it doesn't matter what accessory items you do. Mm-hmm. Some of the basics are, are you getting enough rest? And that's something you got to know for your body. For me personally, it's eight or nine hours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can get by with um, like six or less, and it's, it's okay. It's okay for a day or two. You do that consistently, and I start to go downhill. Mm-hmm. That, that's my myth. A specific detail on that, when you're getting closer to tournament, you sleep more because you're under more stress and it's easier for you to get sick and get injured. So I start sleeping more like 10 hours. Okay. Closer to tournaments. So sleep, you need hitting enough hours and quality hours, which mm-hmm. means for me, like I try to just optimize the sleep setting. We'll just leave it at that. There's, okay. there's like little details you can add to that, but we'll leave it there. Good sleep. Okay. You need a good diet. For me, I know I'm one of those people that actually needs like at least three servings of greens a day mm-hmm. just to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on what you're training for, you need more carbs, more protein, more fat, depending on what you're training for. So you need to have a diet plan that's in tune to your needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's healthy and in tune for what you're needing. Now, there's there's a uh, with activity, there's a uh, other activities that, that act as your fun and also just healthy, just activity that's just healthy. Not necessarily I'm trying to drive to train myself to be specific in some area, but it's just healthy activity. Mm-hmm. Sports is healthy activity. Hiking is healthy activity. Some of those things that are a little bit more recreational and also contribute to fun. That's mm-hmm. a balance in physical activity. That's like a break. That This is going into mental a little bit too. Yeah. It's like a break, but it's also still enhancing your health while maybe slightly contributing to your physicality. Mm-hmm. So so those are your basics is like balance, rest, or balance, sleep, and good diet. Your basics. Mm-hmm. Now, some accessories that I like to use. Um, when I'm really consistent about doing ice baths, I feel great. I feel great. My body seems to recover quicker. Um, the inflammation is down and I feel less pain. Mm-hmm. I feel so good. It's really cool. I've done I've done a lot of ice baths with my brother. We'll do like the Wim Hof breathing uh-huh. and do do rounds and stay in for X amount of rounds or X amount of minutes and mm-hmm. and sometimes we even get back in a second time, and it's crazy how uh, aware and in tune I became of my body by doing that because you're under stress to get in that much cold yes. to like feel that much cold and to stay there, but then also to regulate your breathing the way we've been doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like an incredible way to practice um, mental strength 
And I noticed my ability to control myself under stress in the gym enhanced significantly. And -hmm. things that would usually be high stress for me were now dropped very Mm -hmm. low. And I had so much more control over myself and and over what I was thinking. Another cool thing about the baths is I could could feel my body really well. Mm -hmm. And when I would get out of the bath, I knew that I didn't stay in long enough because I would feel exactly where heat would rush to in my body, exactly where inflammation would rush to. I'd stand Mm -hmm. up and be like, my knee just lit up. And I was like, oh. I need to get back in. Like this, this is not good. I don't feel good. I need to get back in. And sometimes I have, and it, it helps a ton to reduce all the inflammation in your mm-hmm. body, and that helps with, with healing. So ice baths is something that I like to recover with. Mm-hmm. Um, sauna, sauna or hot tub is also nice. It's like kind of relax, and a lot of times I would like to pair the two of them together. Mm-hmm. Now, if I could be really consistent at this, I think would be the best, mm-hmm. as well as those two things are another form of training because right. – one, it practices mental control, breathing control under stress, and um, vasodilation mm-hmm. and constriction for your blood vessels. It helps you be able to switch on and off, explode, mm-hmm. to sprint, to, to perform. So there's a lot of a lot of benefits that come with those mm-hmm. things. Massage, a little bit of massage would be nice. I use like I don't go out and get massages regularly. Like that's expensive. I'm not gonna. Yes. <laughs> I, I like them. It's a nice accessory item. Mm-hmm. But like you don't need that. I mean, maybe you might need every now and then. I lay on like a a tennis ball, a sports ball mm-hmm. or something to like grind out a muscle. Um, so that's kind of an accessory mm-hmm. as well. Hey, Yay, there we go. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> oh, the joys of internet. <laughs> yes, my bad. I think it was mine. Okay. That was retarded. Okay, we're back. So uh, before we got cut off, um, I was asking if you had been familiar or had heard of uh, the work done by uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick and her sauna studies and such. Her name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I think she's been on a couple of podcasts, if you know the name Andrew Huberman. Yes. Yeah, he's been on. Uh, she's been on his podcast. They've talked all about <laughs> saunas and stuff like that, and uh, inspired me to actually rig up a, a sauna in our outdoor shed. Uh, and we're <laughs> down here, and I, I used a um, we'll call it a grow tent, and I got a couple of space heaters. <laughs> so like a crazy person, <laughs> and in the hot, humid, deep South weather right now, I've got a sauna that can get up to like 160 degrees. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you didn't need the heaters <laughs> no so we can I, I don't have access to the ice baths but um i the only thing i can do i get a a bunch of uh frozen bottles of water uh over 40 pounds worth you know of water that's frozen and i just put it in the bathtub so you, you do what she can do Right. Yeah. I just learned about um, the reusable water because we would we would pour bags of ice when mm-hmm. it's not the winter. We would pour bags of ice, mm-hmm. but the little ice pelts melt so quickly. So we started they doing do. big cubes mm-hmm. and those make it cold. Mm-hmm. But then we had to keep buying them, which isn't a problem, but it's just like an extra step. So right. the water bottles is going to be what I think we're going to end up sticking with. Yes. It's so much. It's so much easier. And you can get a big several packs of water bottles for you know not that much you know just yeah gotta have a big enough freezer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so cool. we've talked about literally it's cool um 
What? Uh, so now that we've talked about the physical, and we were now, you know, talking about the ice baths and the the heat exposure, um, that was kind of a midway point into the mental recovery. So, what do you do for your mental recovery? So one one thing is, um, well, because I already talked about it, I'll start with this one. Okay. Just like a balance in activities, so that you have mm-hmm. a balance in focus, and that way you're not too much in one place that you can't um, take your mind off of it because mm-hmm. you know, there's such thing as too much thinking about jujitsu and I get it becomes too much when well I guess it becomes too much when it becomes too much when it becomes mm-hmm. too much pressure on yourself and you don't have balance so I think uh, some some balanced activity is helpful like a lot of times for me it ends up being school like I'll work on my schoolwork and that's a good like break from jujitsu mm-hmm. uh, other times it's like doing a different activity, reading, studying, playing with my family, or mm-hmm. every now and then going out and doing something. So a bouncing activity is, is also a, a mental break as well. Mm-hmm. And another thing I think that is helpful for mental uh, recovery or even just mental stability is just kind of what you prepare your thoughts with. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think of a good way to say some of this. I think understanding why you're here is really helpful or what you're looking for with here. And I think um, the way I would put it and the way I have put it before is I like to remember the truth. Mm -hmm. The truth about me going to training every day when I'm anxious is that I want to be here and that I like this. That's the first truth is that I actually really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. The second truth is that the difficulties of training right now are what I want because they're helping me towards a goal that I also want for whatever reason that I want it. Mm-hmm. So the, the difficulties that I'm facing in training are welcomed. They're what mm-hmm. I want. Now, I also come do my best to, you know, I'm not, not always perfect. I still sometimes every now and then I would get anxious for training. Uh, I, I come prepared to train really hard. Like I set my expectation above what I think the difficulty of the class will be so that I don't feel overwhelmed with how much I'm being given in the class, Mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you know, while I'm in class, if I do get to the point where I'm overwhelmed with the training, I tune my focus to just focusing on my most immediate task. And then if I can focus on that, I focus on doing it really well. And then I'm given the next one. And I, I'm one of those people that likes to complete tasks. So mm-hmm. then I start to feel good because I'm like, oh, I completed that one. Oh, I completed it well. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. For a couple of years there, coach would be doing burnouts and stuff at the end of class. And I'd finish what exercise he would have us do. And I'd be like, okay, what's the next one? Okay, what's the next one? Okay, the next one. And he got to be like, man, stop. <laughs> stop asking me this question. <laughs> and I was like, yes, David Goggins, I took your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but no, yeah, sometimes because challenge and completing tasks are two things that are, are satisfying for me. Mm-hmm. But that same logic helps me get me out of any anxiety or stress or nerves that I have because then I'm put in a perspective of truth instead of like panic or worries or doubts or fear. I'm just put in a perspective of truth and that truth is that these are the things I want. These are the things I love doing. Um and I'm going to get something out of this that I'm really wanting and really seeking. And I've used that to help get me out of any, uh, 
any nerves before a fight or any anxiety before a fight. Mm-hmm. I've used that to completely change my countenance and at this and to go along with it, I changed my capacity for performance. Mm. I changed my level of will mm. to perform. And that was, I did that two or three times in it. It was a really neat experience. I felt like I had, oh, the two, the two or three times it happened, I felt like I changed who I was as a fighter. My fighter identity changed after wow. some of these experiences. And it, man, I just soaked it all in. They were like some of the best moments I've had so far. Oh man, that's, oh man, I am jealous. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so it's that I, I love you're saying it's the truth of why you're here, why you're doing this and not allowing that negative, maybe, you know, voice being like, well, this is too hard. Well, no, I want this, you know, so you're ha- you're checking that, you know, with uh-huh. the, that's really good. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, so there's like a balance between not letting the garbage in and mm-hmm. keeping focused on the positive. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, if you sit in a neutral, like either where either can come and go, yeah, the difficult ones are going to come a little more often than the good mm-hmm. ones are. So yeah, I find it easier to focus on, there's an analogy I've, I've learned about, and it's about a skier who's going down a hill that has mm-hmm. a lot of switchback. And if you focus on don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, what are you manifesting? Tree. Hit mm. and tree. Mm-hmm. Even if you say don't, you're still manifesting the tree. Mm-hmm. So you, you think to yourself, stick to the white, 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 so that you train your focus and mm. all of your, your, your manifesting becomes the things you're focusing on. Mm. So I like that better than, than just keeping the trash out. I like having, I'm focusing on accomplishing a mission because I think it's more powerful. Mm. That's really, that's, that's a good distinction. Yeah. When you're focusing on the positive, typically you're going to have a more or more apt to have a positive outcome. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think my, some of my friends would call that neural priming, I think, but I am not a psychologist, so I cannot comment on that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious to know, because I love learning about philosophy and neurology and physiology. Mm-hmm. I love all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I just I just teach literature. That's all I do. So, <laughs> but, um, so when you're talking about that zone where it's just like you changed your identity as a fighter, there was a one match that uh, I was wanting to kind of get your insight into um, just how you approached it. You know, you you came away with a win and the victory, but when you were matched up against Gabby Garcia, that's quite a size difference. Um, I would be terrified, but you came out with the win. I mean, so how did you approach that in a way, you know, because you've been matched with people who are heavier than you and bigger than you, and you, you seem to do incredibly well. So how do you manage maybe that anxiety, you know, and, and attach and attack those matches. Okay. So my fight with Gabby Garcia was the second experience I had with that same principle of remember the truth mm-hmm. to handle your anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where do I start with this? Um, so before I went out to fight her, I was in the back and I don't usually get nervous or anxious for fights anymore. Mm-hmm. I just kind of have to stay in this heightened and prepared state. Like it's it's a, a constant, constant focus, even so much as that you, you don't even fully commit yourself to sleep the night before because you are that focused on being willing to fight at any moment. Because um, that, that's just, I, that's, how, that's how I like to, to fight is I like to just be prepared to do anything that I need to. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So I'll be that focused. So I was in the back and I was preparing to go out. And this time I did happen to feel a little bit of nerves. And I was wondering like, oh, you know, because you're anxious. I I don't get super nervous, but I will get anxious. And Mm -hmm. I'm anxious because I don't know exactly what's going to happen. That's the definition of anxiety, by the way, is like there's uncertainty behind the outcome of an event. so I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what, how she was going to come at me or, you know, and I guess to a degree I did know, but you know, it's just uncertain. You don't know who's going to choose what it went. So I was a little anxious and I stopped myself and told myself, okay, remember the truth. What's the truth behind this tournament? Well, the truth is that this is exactly the kind of experience and level of, ex- of experience that I want to have. This is exactly the amount of challenge, exactly the kind of person, the kind of odds I would want to face. And this is exactly what I want to be doing. This I'm exactly where I want to be. And when I thought those things, my entire countenance changed. The Any of the anxiety or nerves that I had, it just all went away and it was replaced with this immense amount of excitement and this curiosity for what I could do and I was so excited to just go out there and be all that I could be and whatever happened happened you know there's no I don't have to win this what I what's what's true also at the end of the day is that I'm going to take away a marvelous experience from this some marvelous lessons and an experience spent with my team and the, the entire venue, that I'm going to take something marvelous away from this. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's still a win. So when I changed those things in my head, I could just be free. And this is my second experience being being free like this. And you, I love how I um, I felt it so much. I you can see it on my face when I walk out you know we had to do this big long walk and i walked mm-hmm. up the stairs and as you go out your my excitement is just building and building and i walk out and there's all these people and i like i notice the people but it doesn't doesn't get in my head too much but you see my face so if we watch the video i like i get on the stage and i look around and i walk down i go right to the mat i walk down the what's it called the ramp I walk down the Mm -hmm. ramp and I'm taking off my jacket and I have no idea which mat I'm on I'm just heading out there and they're like oh wait you're over here go (laughs) so I get on my mat and I just get ready to go and it's like okay well here we go and I use that same thing to help me in the middle of the fight too they're remembering Mm -hmm. the truth my coach studies my opponents with me mostly mostly for me because Mm -hmm. he's just that good and and he prepares me for what I need and the truth behind what I needed to be in that fight is a couple of things. One is we knew kind of what she was going to do. She likes you to shoot on her, and then she wants to smash you flat as a pancake. Yeah. So we're like, well, just don't do that, because that seems to be working really well. Mm-hmm. So don't play into a game that they're especially good at. Mm-hmm. Another thing I used to kind of help me um, feel a little bit more confident or believe in myself is two things really I fight big people at the gym all the time mm-hmm. all the time so how different is this she's another big person mm-hmm. which was accurate yeah. so there are some things you do and don't do when you fight with big people 
and one of them is not to get on bottom. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, we did this a lot in, in MMA, and when you train takedowns, you don't get taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get, don't give up going on bottom. So most of the fight, I actually stayed up. And I was like, okay, if you if you want to shoot on me, great. I mean, I'll try some things on you, but I know with her being that much bigger too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between the level, because, you know, she's probably been competing as long yeah. as I've been alive. Mm-hmm. That's a huge disparity between <laughs> knowledge, yeah. time, and technique. I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I can learn the techniques she knows, but you you had different you you learn more as, right. as you're a black belt you learn more mm-hmm. so there's this huge disparity in how much experience she has as a black belt and how much i have so i know that i can't make mistakes mm-hmm. or i mean in that that seems harsh to think you can't make mistakes but i mean what i would say is i have to be i have to be very sure about what move i'm going to use or more than that when i'm going to do it Mm-hmm. I have to be sure that I have a good opportunity and I take it and I take it with full heart. Mm-hmm. So there's a strategy that goes along with that too. You know, um, it's a long match. Mm-hmm. You don't want to spend all of your energy, especially with a bigger person right away. Right. So you feel out the match a little bit and that's just rational. Feel out the match a little bit. I got to about the halfway point and I started trying more takedowns and I know some of the things I'm good at for taking down bigger people. You know, she's a bigger person, so they just kind of went well together. I'm good at mm-hmm. some of these things, and these are the things you use on big people. So, and one of those was the arm drag to the single, and so I, I waited till I, I tried it a couple times, and one of the times I picked up her leg, and I was like, I could actually do this. I could actually pick up her leg. Mm-hmm. And then just the timing and everything just happened so right close to the end of the fight where there's not a lot of chance for her to recover afterwards or land on top. Towards the end of the fight, I scored a perfectly timed um, single leg to uh, single <laughs> arm drag to a single mm-hmm. leg. I scored a, a perfect one of those, and I made sure to land on top and stay on top and try to submit uh, until the fight was over. And I, I did it with the perfect perfect timing at mm-hmm. the perfect time of the match. Uh, and I just landed a solid technique. So so um, there's a lot of things that you know are are better things to do and lesser things to do. And I tried to stay in that margin of what's the best moves I can make right now for the entire fight. Mm -hmm. And it was was really, it was kind of cool. You know, I acted on believing these things, you know, believing that I could do it. I felt like I could do it, because you know, at at the end of the day, she's a big person. So I acted on the belief that I could do it. And as it started, as I believed in myself, my success was that much faster. Mm. And that's what was crazy is to see what I believed be proved mm-hmm. and now be knowledge. And so I, I take her down. As soon as I take her down, I'm like, oh, I did it. I did it. I took her down. And then I was like panicking in my head. And I was like, okay, what now? You got to get on top. You, you can't get on bottom. So I was like, oh, get on top. And then I got on top and I was like, well, now what? Uh, pass the guard. <laughs> pass the guard. Um, now. Okay, Mount. Hey, now what? I'm in Mount on Garcia. Take the arm, take the arm. <laughs> so I tried to arm harder and I didn't quite get it, but I got really close and the match stops and he stands us up and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't actually sure. You know, I stood up and the ref's like, hey, we're going to go to overtime. And I was like, oh. <laughs> did, 
did I not get anything for that? <laughs> Nothing? Then he's like, well, well, hold on, I'll go, I'll go check with the table. And so they started discussing points. And as soon as I saw the points um, fluctuate, I knew I was going to get points, whether it was one or whether it was five, or I don't even care. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was going to get points, and then that would be the end of the match. So I mm-hmm. felt comforted then, and I was like, it's done. Okay, I don't have to fight her anymore. I'm done. <laughs> and, and, you know, they raised my hand, and, and we were done. And the experience was had. I didn't celebrate when I got into the back, though. I mm-hmm. think I was a little like, wow, wow, for like five minutes. But I didn't allow myself to celebrate because I knew the entire tournament wasn't done. So I right. needed to send myself back into focus mode to make sure I was willing to fight my next match. Right. And the next match was a, a breeze after that. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, I just uh, the, just hearing you describe like got to do this thing and then this thing and then this thing. I'm just hearing the task. What you were talking about earlier. I have this task and then I have this task and this task. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, yep. But I mean, yeah, because I was like, I didn't like. I believed I could do it, but then it was real, and I was doing it. And I was like, well, keep going. Oh, okay, keep going. And I talk about this in another podcast. Some mm-hmm. people don't realize how close they are to their success and they give up. Mm. And it's like, if I, that's one of the things I took into that fight as well, is I, I put myself like on the edge where I was like, okay, pretend the entire time you're here that you are right on the edge of beating it. You're mm-hmm. right there. You're right there. And I think if, you know, that's, that's encouraging for people when they feel like the round's about to be done, you're about to win. They're like, yeah, I can do this. I can keep doing this. If I just do this a little bit more, I, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to keep myself on an edge that was like, you're right about to do it. You're right about to do it. Give more, give more, give more. Mm-hmm. And I was there. Yeah. But yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I just think about, you know, your experience and it's just being an inspiration for women in jujitsu <laughs> who want to to try competing and uh, you, you still have that hunger to compete. You still have that, that drive, like you're on that edge. Uh, what ad- advice would you give to uh, women out there who are, and, and young women, older women uh, who may want to get out there and compete, you know, but they may have that trepidation. What advice would I give to women in whatever circumstance to compete and they're scared? Or they're mm-hmm. nervous. Um, I think of a couple things. Um, one is identifying if you have the resources to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Do you have a team? Do you have a coach that you trust that can be insightful and guide you? Because if you don't have some of your basics, well, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have what you need. And can can you get the time? in like the dedicated time in to compete like Mm -hmm. is that doable can you make that work if this is what i want can i make this work so identify if it's doable and most everything is doable as long as you apply will and you Mm -hmm. might have to apply sacrifice to that so i don't know identify if you have the resources to actually do what you want to do then you do it and once you do that is you just commit to it because if you have those basics you can do it um, and I know, I know it sounds so cliche. It's like, well, just do it. That sounds so cliche. And everyone's like, ha ha, ha ha. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's, it doesn't sound that encouraging. But I think um, if you have your basics met, it's not going to be as bad as you think. And you're going to do 
like the the experience is it's not going to be as bad as you think. It's not going to be as scary as you think. And as soon as you try it, you'll know. You can maybe try it once. Then you know exactly what to expect. Or I think a different piece of advice I would give is go to the tournament without competing. Go and see how the tournament runs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stimulus going on the day of your, your first tournament. So if you want to minimize some of that and prepare for some of that um, stimulation of like everything that's going on, go see how it goes first. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you know what to expect. And now you can have most of your attention go towards fighting. Mm. That's a really good advice. I've actually not heard to just go and check out the venue first if you've never competed before. That's actually a really good idea. Okay. Connected. Ha ha. Yes, there we go. Look what I have done. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've stolen a different phone. There you go. <laughs> now I need to turn it up. I'm sorry about that. It's all Hi. right. As long as we get connected. Okay. Um, I. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I remember the thought that I was trying to say. Do you want me okay. to just start my thought over? Just start your thought over. Yes. Another piece. Okay. Another piece of advice I think I would give to people who are looking into competing is I would say go to the tournament you're looking at competing in and see what it's like first without competing because there's a lot of stimulus that's going on and it can be overwhelming so go look at everything see how it all goes and that way when you choose to come back and compete all those things you can kind of plan and have prepared for and you can give more of your focus and attention towards your competition or your matches mm-hmm. um and I remember you know, before we cut out, I was just thinking, like, that's a really good piece of advice because, you know, I remember my first tournament, I just had such an adrenaline dump that, you know, I almost passed out after my first match and I still needed to compete, you know. Um, so I think that's really, Ooh. yes, fun times. White Belt had been only competing three months and then about fell over. So, <laughs> but uh, fun times, right? Yeah. No, but I think that if I had watched a competition ahead of time, I would have anticipated you know that a little bit better i think so i think that's really solid advice to give someone yeah uh, so my question kind of more in the specifics of you know females or maybe more generalities of females competing how have you seen uh the i would say the availability of females to compete in jujitsu versus when you now versus when you first began I think there's a little bit more than when I first started. Of course, when I first started, I was, you know, doing some of the kids or teens stuff, some of those competitions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, well, more often than not, I was combined in, in categories with kids from all kinds of other categories. And half the time, or more than half the time, it was with the boys. Mm-hmm. And that was fine for me because I've always trained with the guys you know I've compared competing with them or training with them to you know I need to be capable this comes back to the need I expressed earlier where I need to be capable of uh, taking care of myself and Mm -hmm. making myself perform when I need to and guys are a good standard you know if I need to protect myself from a guy yeah let me train with a guy I want it to be close close or at least closer closest to reality as I can get it and I'm gonna train with a guy 
And mm-hmm. if a girl wants to attack me too, like, okay, great. <laughs> You're not as strong as a guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so competing, it wasn't abnormal at all for me to be competing with the boys. And that was fine. Now though, I think there are a little bit more girls who are competing. And so that's nice. You know, it's, you know, I'm rolling with girls. I mm-hmm. I think rolling with girls is easier in some senses and maybe a little more challenging in other senses because mm-hmm. I think they can be, you know, because they have to be, if they train with guys, they have to be a little more nimble, strategic, you know, mm-hmm. kind of quirky and, and kind of make things work. And technical, technical and fast especially. And I think... Um, guys, you can probably count on that they're going to try to strongman you, and there's some mm-hmm. some leverage things that you can do with that. Mm-hmm. So they're they're challenging in different ways, but I think rolling men is more challenging because you get a technical guy and a guy who's strong. And it's like okay, now I have to work really hard to do something. Like I said, the athleticism factor with girls. Some girls are very technical, but they're not very athletic or strong and pressure is a huge component that drives some of the techniques in Mm jiu-jitsu and is a factor in you know weight weight and pressure those are huge contributors to to convincing somebody to move or to convincing somebody to tap out Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm learning more and more lately how like just your basic gi chokes yeah, mm-hmm. all those are set up with a, a, a heavy amount of like grinding and pressure and like making them super uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. that's how you get arm bars too. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they turn over and they make a mistake with their arm. But a lot of times you can put a lot of pressure on them and make them kind of panic and try to push you away. And you're like, thanks, I got your arm. Like mm-hmm. pressure itself is a setup, mm-hmm. is a part of technique. And I think a lot of some girls, they can't, they can't handle pressure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's great that there's weight classes because that helps mitigate, you know, how much weight you have sitting on you, not necessarily how much pressure, but how much weight. So I think that's helpful for like the growth of the sport, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, that's a huge thing. And something I always want to be able to handle is, is pressure. I don't want to lose a fight because I couldn't take the pressure or weight of somebody I was fighting. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not okay for me. Like that's mm-hmm. not my standard for myself mm-hmm. and because you mentioned earlier uh kind of getting in that zone of protecting yourself or someone you love right and uh, nine times out of ten you know if you're getting you know attacked on the street it's probably going to be somebody bigger and stronger um and you know they're going to be giving it you know they're all to to do you or someone you love harm so you've got to be able to rise to that occasion mm-hmm. yeah and like And I don't even think, like, there's there's other aspects to a street fight, and there's probably even more that I'm not aware of. And so I definitely don't think this is a solve-all, but at least you can have some comfort and maybe even some security, a little bit of mental security, just knowing that you can do something about it that you have some options that you can think of and have as a go-to in situations like mm-hmm. that. And I think that in itself is valuable. But there's, yeah, there's just more that goes into a street fight. You know, like weapons, oh, um, yeah. area, equal mm-hmm. initiative and equal armament. Like, mm-hmm. are you coming, are they coming with weapons? Are they coming, are we coming with the same intention of, okay, we're both going to fight or is one person coming by surprise? Mm-hmm. You know, those are all 
different, significantly different factors than a jujitsu match or even than rolling because most of the time it's like equal armament. We both know we're trying to fight. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I don't think it's a solve all, but I think it helps. I think it contributes to some mental peace and like, maybe I can do something about this. I can have some sort of control of the situation mm-hmm. and I might just be able to take care of it. You know? mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm not going to count on that. I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try to give myself as many weapons and options as I can get, you know? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, and that's something that, you know, Uh, I always advocate for my girls that I teach, you know, in the classroom, you know, not in a jujitsu setting, uh, but to try jujitsu because, you know, if you go off to college girls, you know, you can learn what to do if a guy throws you on the ground or pins you in the back of a car or something like that and have confidence, you know, to respond and get away, you know? And so they're, they, uh, I try to encourage as many people as I can to, to join, but uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I think some of it is they're, they are afraid. Like you said, you said a lot of girls can't handle pressure, you know, that, that physical pressure. But, uh, and I think that's part of it. They're afraid of getting, you know, not, not smothered. That's not quite the right word, but where they couldn't move, like, and they're on the ground. I think that's something that they do have genuine trepidation about. So. Gotcha. Makes yeah. sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. I remember I was teaching some of the girls or preteen girls in our kids class and they didn't want to train with the boys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, you guys, if you don't like if somebody were to try to beat you up on the street, you'd want to be the best you could to, to fight him. Right. Even if that's a boy. Right. Yeah. You'd want it. You, you want to train with the guys because that's like, you know, if somebody was going to bully you and then they go. Yeah, and they each went and grabbed one of the boys. Like, no, you're training with me. <laughs> kind of cute. <laughs> you're training um, with me, I and think... then tossing them over, all this kind of stuff. Like, who's bullying <laughs> who now? <laughs> yeah, I think that was one thing I would tell people too. Is like, you know, you're scared of the pain you're gonna feel at the gym, but I'm telling you, you're gonna be way more scared and way more helpless to find or face that on the street. So you might mm-hmm. as well face it from your own initiative and go to a place that's going to teach you how to deal with it and be faced with it when you're helpless. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Give yourself, um, give yourself a chance, you know, get some neural pathways going, get some kind of a response in your system to not just yeah. freeze, you know? Correct. And you, you don't have to go to a jujitsu gym and just mm-hmm. die. <laughs> like, I feel like some of them are so scared. They're like, I'm going to be sacrificed. No, it doesn't have to be like that. Like they can temper you into this and that's okay. Like, in fact, you know, if, if a gym wants to keep students, especially females, they're going to do it that way. They're going to take care of you. So mm-hmm. <laughs> have a little more trust and suck it up. <laughs> yes. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, the Nike slogan, just do it. And that should be the jujitsu slogan. Just do it. You know, <laughs> unless it's something stupid, then that's not. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a big caveat there. Yes, you know, don't be, you know, have have concern for the day one people. Don't heel hook them, please. You know, <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> don't heel hook the children. Like, yes. <laughs> so is there any uh, big tournaments, uh, any more big matches coming up for you that you're in preparation for? So I'm looking at fighting with... Um, I mix these two these two tournaments up all the time because okay. they're just about the same. With one fight 
and who's number one. Ooh. I'm looking at fighting with both of them. And I'm also looking at jumping on one of Subversive's next cards, mm-hmm. like the combat jujitsu. Uh-huh. I'm looking into some of this. Ooh. And BJJ stars. I'm looking okay. into it. Nothing is like, nothing okay. is set up right now. I, okay. I did just get out of the. Uh, I'm recovering right now from two knee injuries, mm-hmm. and I had to take a couple months off to let it heal properly, mm-hmm. uh, which I wouldn't I wouldn't have otherwise been willing to take off that much time. But considering the risk of, okay, if you make this any worse and you mm-hmm. have to get surgery, well, that's eight months yeah. off. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can suck up a couple months <laughs> so I don't have to do that. So that, yes. that's right now. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm being responsible. You know, I think a good piece of advice could be that I think I just have learned. Because I I never, if I got hurt or had any sort of small injury, I just wouldn't care. I just keep training. And I I did that for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. I think if you babied even your smallest injury, like it was a serious injury, you wouldn't get to serious injuries. Mm. Like, I think that might be a better thing. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to baby them in so far that you stop training, but maybe, I don't know, if you put that much focus and effort into take care of, and taking care of a small injury as if it was a serious one that you like needed to constantly rehab for, I think people wouldn't probably wouldn't really get to serious injuries unless mm-hmm. it was something really acute, like just happened right. in a fight. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd done that. Yeah, yeah. Lessons That's a, learned. Lessons learned, and nine times out of ten, those lessons are learned the hard way. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but man, that'll be exciting to see that. You know, nothing of, of course official, but that would be very exciting uh, to watch, certainly. Uh, but man, man, I am just excited to see where your uh, next competitions go, and you're just your career continues to go, and it's just crazy to think you're only 23, correct? Yes. I mean, man, the sky's the limit, man. And I know uh, they say there's only a, a short window sometimes for, you know, that high level athletic performance. But you're just right at, to me, you're right at the beginning of it. So who knows where you'll be, you know, 10 years from now. So mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But thank you so much uh, for just taking the time to talk to me and uh, sticking with it despite all the technical difficulties. No, no problem. I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to share and maybe be impactful. And I'm grateful for your patience and for you reaching out. And sorry about the technical difficulties on my part. It's a-okay, a-okay. But enjoy the rest of your day um, and keep babying your injuries so that you can come out swinging. Well, not, excuse me, don't come out swinging. But uh, so you can come out, pull guard or do the takedown, whichever you prefer. (laughs) You can come out shooting. We'll say that. We'll come out shooting. There we go. There you go. Yes. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day, Amy. You too. No problem. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.